is singer-songwriter, broadcaster, audio-video artist, entertainment agent, and your host for the Dharmic Evolution. It's the master storyteller himself, James Kevin O'Connor. And here we are once again, to Woodstock or not to Woodstock? That is the question. So I don't think it was a Woodstock. Um, In January, I had heard that there was something going on with a Woodstock 50 reunion, or, you know, a uh, celebration anniversary, if you will, 50 years. And, um, you know, I was not really thinking this was a good idea because, um, I don't know, I just have a different take on it. Like, you can't replicate. It's almost like sometimes we replicate these movies. They're just such classic masterpieces. And then... um, you know, they're just never any good, most of them. <laughs> you have some exceptions, but there's nothing like the original. And uh, the 1969 Woodstock um, event, the music and art fair that happened in Bethel, New York, what didn't even happen in Woodstock, had such a series of weird events and distractions and the, you know, the... Uh, event that should not have happened because of logistically um, it happened anyway and it brought so many great things to us so what i'm going to do is rebroadcast what i did um in january along with the song peace of peace and love which i want to share with you today and um i'm just going to touch on this blog that came out about uh it's on the i think it's on the cover of rolling stone is it Uh, Maybe it's not on the cover, but it's on this blog. It says, it was one problem after another. How Woodstock 50 fell apart. And um, I just read the whole thing, and it's so complicated and complex. There was, like, tons of money put up for artists. And, you know, I think some of the artists got that money, and then they canceled the show. And then there there was litigation and trial lawyers and corporations involved and it was just you know so many different things going on so i won't even get into it but you can check it out um if you go to rolling stone uh magazine it's uh, it's on there there's a big blurb on it that just came out so um the one thing i did here i heard a little traffic over the weekend that i think it was the doobie brothers and john fogarty ended up playing somewhere in Bethel uh, this past week, but they I think they couldn't call it Woodstock because it's the name is protected or it's patented or what, whatever. I don't know. It just, just, just became such a, you know, complicated monster that uh, it just didn't happen. So I'm going to just um, replay this from January, and I want to wish all the people that did get to see some good music, hear some good music up in the um, wonderful New York State area. Uh, I hope it was a real trip. I hope it was great. And for the folks who embraced the 1969 Woodstock, man, it was something to be um, talked about for forever. You know, it was like, I don't think there'll ever be another one quite like that. So here we go with my rebroadcast to Woodstock or not to Woodstock. Yes, so the Woodstock phenomenon. I just have to talk about this. It's so cool. I was uh, checking out some of the backstory on it, and I didn't realize that, um, you know, what happened was, uh, from what I gathered on some of these YouTube videos, 
that the promoters had selected Woodstock as the place for the concert, the 1969 phenomenal concert. And um, what they didn't realize was the permitting issue became a big deal. And I think it was like, look, you can't can't have any more than 5,000 people. And uh, so they had already sold, I think it was like 150,000 tickets or something. And, um, you know, they were, they were really in deep trouble. They were like, what are we going to do? So I guess they got a hold of Max Yasger, who was over in Bethel, which is adjacent to Woodstock. It's not, it's a different town completely. And, uh, Max had this huge dairy farm and, uh, Lo and behold, the concert ended up happening there. But by the time they um, they realized they were out of time, out of money, out of resources, and the date was upon them, they had a choice to either spend labor, material, and money on either fencing or the stage. <laughs> they chose, let's spend it on the stage. And uh, what happened was it just became a free concert after that because there was no way to manage the amount of people. The estimates were like over 400,000 people that ended up coming to the, uh, to the show. And can you imagine? I just cannot imagine. Like, I have trouble with 40,000 people, let alone, you know, I like watching it. I like I'm into it. And I, I love the whole concept concept of it was very peaceful. It was a very, um, you know, calm environment. There was like, there was only one incident through that whole three days where I think they burned some guy's hamburger stand down because he was charging too much. But, uh, you know, that aside, there was no violence. There was no, you know, there was no uh, gang-related incidents. There was no rapes. There was there was nothing, you know, that went on like, like things that go on today. It wasn't ha- like that back then. And I don't know why, because for such a large crowd, you'd think that there would be some kind of outbreak of of some of that kind of craziness going on, but it just didn't happen. So it was really, really uh, incredible to be a witness to this from afar. I I did not go to the show. I was kind of a little bit too young, um, and it was kind of like I just was under the threshold of, you know, it had been another year or two, I would have been there probably. Now, I do recall the song. The song Woodstock was amazing. And my first um, orientation of this song was with Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young when they came out with that album. And it was on that record. And I didn't know that Joni Mitchell had written this. And if you ever listen to both versions, her version was so different than what Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young did. It was was really an incredible uh, piece of music. You know, I stand corrected there. Um, I think it was Crosby, Stills, Nash uh, put that song out on their album, but I think Neil Young was with them when they performed at Woodstock, so I'm pretty sure they performed that together. Anyway, um, I want to just read a little bit. I found this uh, cool little article about Joni here uh, by Clara Scott. It was 1969 at a dairy farm in the Catskills of New York the August sun glaring heavily down on the backs of 400,000 patrons. The small town of Bethel was overrun with young people. They were there for the Woodstock Music and Art Festival, whose organizers originally only expected 50,000 to come. Instead, the three days of the festival marked a pivotal moment in American cultural history. Woodstock became a symbol of freedom, 
which encompassed some of the most iconic moments in music during that time. Carlos Santana climbed the stage scaffolding. The Grateful Dead performed until they blew out their amps, and legends like Janis Joplin and Jimi Hendrix inspired generations to come. Struck by the event, Joni Mitchell wrote her masterpiece, Woodstock, which she shared with then-boyfriend Graham Nash to perform at the festival. The song became a lasting image of those three days, but also an anthem of the phenomenon that is that era's counterculture, a piece of the Aquarian age which serves as a window into the past. The real power of the song comes with its timelessness. Mitchell's core sentiment of getting back to the garden is a universal desire, especially for those who work towards change. Her lyrics go beyond the tune itself, functioning as a poetic reflection on the festival's meaning within the late 1960s zeitgeist. To Mitchell, we are all stardust, golden, billion-year-old carbon, all the same in the dream to move forward in our lives and societies. Woodstock 69 was the tipping point for this movement in music culture, an event which united thousands of young people to collectively celebrate the art of their time. This unification was made even more poignant by the looming presence of Vietnam, as anti-war efforts reached a fever pitch within counterculture and the general population alike. Mitchell even weaves the war into Woodstock, seeing bombers turning into butterflies in the skies above her. Though it seems like a blip in history from the present perspective, Woodstock was a phenomenon which meant more than just what occurred during those three days. It was an incredible collection of the era's most famous and culturally pervasive musicians, poster children for the free love movement, the rebirth of folk, the height of rock and roll, and the rise of funk. Even with this, the legacy of Woodstock 69 goes beyond its iconic music and instead lies within the intention of the thousands who attended. The festival was a unique moment to come together in a time of political and social turmoil, an opportunity to collectively shout against the powers which held back America's inevitable evolution. It was an effort to rebuild the country's soul, or at least mark a turning point clearly within cultural history, a chance for thousands of young people to be, as Mitchell sings, a cog in something turning. In a time where music festivals saturate the popular sphere, it's important to remember Woodstock as a benchmark for what they can truly offer to society. Though festivals like Coachella and Lollapalooza are slow, slowly being lost to commercialism, there is still a nugget of cultural importance in the idea that they are built on. When that many young, interested, and musically savvy people gather in one place, there is always the potential for social and artistic change. Woodstock 69 held incredible meaning during its time and still does today, reminding us of the power that unity in art and culture can have in periods of chaos. As Mitchell writes, our country is too often caught in the devil's bargain of greed and disillusionment. It's the responsibility of counterculture to reel against this bargain through a collision of innovative art and social awareness, no matter how hard it may seem. Woodstock's status as one of, if not the most famous festival in American music history, acts as evidence that unity and the celebration of art can truly shift the course of culture to pursue a different future, that festivals had the potential to help us find, quote, the garden, unquote, of change we all seek. 
And again, that article was by Clara Scott from the Michigan Daily and just published very, very uh, recently. And great job on that, Clara. Thank you for sharing. So why did I get off on this whole Woodstock thing? You know, it was it's all because of this song. And I have to credit uh, my dear new friend, Laura Cheadle, for this uh, because Laura is a hippie. And she's a she's a very young artist out of the um, out of the Philadelphia Southern Jersey area, and um, you know having a kick-ass career right now. And the last interview we did together, which you guys should check out, DE one seventy six. Hear my interview with Laura, and she's a hippie. And it was so cool because uh, she was like, her place is all done. Sort of like, you know, it looks like Woodstock. It looks like 1969, like her place and the way she dresses and everything. And it's um, very attractive on her, by the way. So check out Laura and you can support her career. And uh, she's got the whole hippie bug going on. So uh, you can dig it. Um, anyway, I... When, during that interview, this this song flashed in my mind, which I'm going to play for you shortly, called "Peace and Love," and it was so funny when I wrote it. I was like, "This this is nothing that I would ever. I don't think I would play this out anywhere, you know, myself." Um, but maybe somebody would be interested in covering this someday. But it was one of those ones that just pestered at me, and I just felt like I had to write it because I was looking at um, I was looking at the event through you know, the eyes of other people, because I was just a little bit too young for the event to, to go myself. So uh, I, I still wanted to participate from afar. So even though this is many, many years later, I got a chance to participate. So Peace in Love was born. Um, you know, another side note, I just want to comment on, you know, I was coming up for draft material in the next, like, you know, years, years to come, a few short years to come. But this um, event, I always look back and say, these people were very, very brave. They did things in such a peaceful way, like take that Woodstock concert, for example, and there's no violence, but people were speaking their minds through their artistry, through their music, through showing up and, and having a, you know, a wonderful three days. I mean, wonderful not really my cup of tea. I don't want to slide around in the mud for three days, dude. I, I'm just not wired that way. I mean, I love seeing the movie after it was done and, and listen to the record to death when it came out. But uh, I don't know about that, you know, going hungry and no bathroom facilities. <laughs> but they seem to like, they seem to really just kind of like roll with it, you know? I, I don't I don't know. I don't know how they did it. But, but the other piece of that is, you had all these people doing like these peaceful marches and, you know, they're burning draft cards and things like that. But people were just saying no to the Vietnam War all across this country. And I just got to hand it to them. They got it done and they saved God knows how many lives because I think I was 16 or maybe I was just turned 17. I was coming up for, I was supposed to, um, uh, sign up for the draft and and the war you know had ended and right about that time when I was due to go sign up they ended they abolished the draft they just stopped it and I was like wow you know dodged a bullet there and I remember sitting in the living room with my brother when his his number he was two years older than me and he was you know he came in at number like if you had a real low number it's like almost a guarantee you were going 
So his friend's sitting there with him, and he drew like a number five or a number six, and my brother drew like a number 358 or something. And I, I don't know what those numbers mean right now. I just remember sitting there like sweating bullets saying, you know, is, this, is he going to get like sent off to war? You know, because I knew guys from the old neighborhood who just didn't come back. You know, they're older than, much older than I am, but I remember it was so shocking. It was like, what happened to... Um, to this guy, his name was Gerald DeRosa, lived down the street from me in West Orange. And, um, you know, he went off to war and he never came back. And there were so many like that. And it was just, it was just so tragic um, to watch that unfold. So I have to hand it to the music, the counterculture, all the things I was talking about in, uh, in Clara Scott's blog there. You know, really amazing that uh, Joni, like, you know, hit the nail on the head when she wrote this song, Woodstock. It was just an incredible song, the lyrics. And quite frankly, it, when I was listening to the song, I never knew all the lyrics. I couldn't figure out what they were saying until I read Joni's um, lyrics and said, wow, this song is deeper than I ever thought. Because Crosby, Stills, Nash, when you heard that song, you were just like, you were just captured by it, you know, Um I just thought it was about the event more than all the other political things. So peace and love, what is that all about? So I'm going to just lay on the lyrics of my uh, take on, you know, the whole peace and love and Woodstock. And, and I'm hoping we are able to embrace a little bit more of the peace and love thing uh, going into 2019 than uh, the last couple years have been really brutal around the world with the non-peace and love Hey, do you guys know where the peace sign originally came from? You know, I always wondered when I saw the peace sign, I'm like, I don't understand because there was like, you know, we'd always hold up two fingers for the peace sign, right? So what is this deal with the three fingers down and one up? Like it was always so confusing to me. And um, it's actually in 1958, this British artist, Gerald Holtham, um, designed this thing for a campaign for nuclear disarmament, which was having its first major march in England. So what he did was, this guy explained, he used semaphore. And for those of you who don't know what semaphore is, it's it's kind of, I think they still use it today um, on ships. You ever see the guys coming in uh, with the uh, fighter pilots and they're coming onto the aircraft carrier and the guys are using flags. And the flags, they all have different symbols with the two flags up and two side to side, one up, one down. So what he did is he took the letter N and the letter D and he superimposed those on a piece of paper and drew a circle around it. And lo and behold, there's the peace sign. And uh, I, I still don't know, you know, how it became a peace sign, but it's kind of cool. Everybody seems to dig it. I mean... My friend Laura, that's her. That's her sign off. She uses her, you know, when she's uh, signing off on a on a Instagram quote or something. She uses the peace sign all the time. Very cool. I like the peace sign a lot. We we need more of that to permeate into our DNA to remind us to be uh, peaceful. So I thought that was something you could use at your next cocktail party. Hey, dude, you know where the peace sign came from? So uh, check that one out. And by the way, for those thinking of taking a visit to Woodstock, um, you know, the, the Bethel is different than Woodstock. That's where the Woodstock 1969 performance was, was held. I don't know about the other two, um, exactly where they were held, but I heard they didn't go well with like, there was, there was violence and things. Um, 
I, I don't know all the details, so I shouldn't speak to it, but, but it just, I don't feel like we need to try to re, keep trying to recreate this. I know one of the promoters is out on his high horse. He's trying to market 2019 as being, hey, we're going to do it again, the 50 years or something. I, I just think it's kind of like, you, you're not going to capture that same, that period of time is gone. It, it did its blessing for us. So, you know, trying to revisit that, I, I just don't think it works. We're different people now. Things have changed. Um, but we can learn from what was created and take the benefits and put them to use uh, in, our, in our minds, thoughts, and actions of, of, you know, how we participate in daily life. I think that's the way to do it. But trying to go back and, and recreate that again is just, it's just never going to happen. What do you guys think? Um, and by the way, I was going to say about Woodstock is a beautiful place. And if you ever get a chance to ride through there, um, in the, in the lyrics, I'm going to play for you here. I'm going to, I'm going to just narrate these for you. I say, I visit often Woodstock. I don't anymore. I did a few years back, but I still love it when I take a ride upstate and I have the time. I spin through the town, maybe have a cup of coffee, see who's playing at one of the local clubs and, um, you can still see real authentic hippies out on the street, man, doing their things. And you look and you go, is it really 1969? Did I just sail through a time warp off the interstate? And it's um, it's so unspoiled. And it's just not overbuilt. Or it's just a very quiet, beautiful little town. And people do their thing and enjoy life. So um, kicking off uh, this new year, I want to thank all you guys for all the support you've done for the Dharmic Evolution over the last year. It's been a really great year of growth. And uh, if you haven't checked out the uh, show on our YouTube channel, James O'Connor Agency YouTube channel, go over there and you can see all of these interviews I do with my guests who come on the show. We've got a great lineup coming up um, for this whole year. So um, stay tuned for that and go to dharmicevolution.com. And uh, you can leave comments at, on the blog there. Tell us what you're thinking, if you're digging it, if you're having a good time. Facebook community page, we're on there. You can post your content. Are you an author, speaker, thought leader? Are you a singer-songwriter? Would you like to come on this show and have me do an infomercial for you? Reach out to us. You can get us on the blog. You can email us. Yeah, we're all over the place. Just type in my name, Dharmic Evolution, anything at all. All of our stuff comes up. Want to wish you guys a fabulous new year. And uh, now I'm going to just um, say goodbye and play you this song. I'm going to just uh, lay the lyrics on you. And uh, I'll catch you next time on the Dharmic Evolution. Had a pretty good time back in 1969. I was a little too young for Woodstock, so I visit often now. Tie-dye shirts, crimson cows and love. Hey, just two words changed everyone. Turned a lot of heads down in Washington. You can't fight free will with a bigger gun. Hey, what's all this crap about peace and love? Don't you know I'm in the middle of a re-election? Yeah, peace and love. Hey, it's easy, man. You don't need to have a plan. It's in the Holy Bible and Koran. Hey, far out, man. I like living with a Crucian tan. A little taste of living off the land. It's such an easy thing to understand. When East meets West, there will be peace and love. <laughs>
I remember waking up in a daze, staring through a purple haze. We'd all gather round to watch the evening news, praying that someone had the brains to blow out the fuse. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Flower power, hell no, we won't go. While the jungle bleeds red, with teenage dead, what the hell we doing playing giant steps on the moon? It's amazing how we seem to find a way to tiptoe around the landmines. I stretch my hand out, connect to you. Hey, brother to brother, just twin reflections of one another. Could we take a chance and say? Could we take a chance and say, Namaste, hey, namaste. Peace and love, hey, it's easy, man. You don't need to have a plan. It's in the Holy Bible and Koran. Hey, far out, man. I like living with a Krusian tan. A little taste of living off the land. It's such an easy thing to understand. When East meets West, there will be peace and love. Had a pretty good time Back in 1969 I was a little too young for Woodstock So I visit often now Tie-dye shirts and crimson cows in love It just two words changed everyone Turned a lot of heads down in Washington You can't fight free will with a bigger gun Hey, what's all this crap about peace and love? Don't you know I'm in the middle of a re-election? Yeah, peace and love Hey, it's easy, man You don't need to have a plan It's in the Holy Bible and Koran Yeah, far out, man I like living with the Crucian's hand a little taste of living off the land is such an easy thing to understand When East meets West there will be peace and love I remember waking up in a daze Staring through a purple haze I'll gather round to watch the evening news Praying that someone had the brains to blow out the fuse It has one small step for man One giant leap for mankind Flower power, hell no, we won't go While the jungle bleeds red, we're teenage dead What the hell we doing playing giant steps on the moon yeah, peace and love hey, it's easy, man You don't need to have a plan It's in the Holy Bible and Koran Yeah, far out, man I like living with the Crucian tan 
A little taste of living off the land Is such an easy thing to understand When East meets West there will be peace and love It's amazing how we seem to find A way to tiptoe around the landmines I stretch my hand out, connect to you Yeah, brother to brother, just twin reflections of one another Could we take a chance and say could we take a chance and say namaste, in namaste? Yeah, peace and love, it's easy, man. You don't need to have a plan. It's in the Holy Bible and Koran. Yeah, far out, man. I like living with the crucian tan A little taste of living off the land Is such an easy thing to understand When East meets West there